0: Good morning, that is such a good video, so true, unless you reverse the way you think, see things, uh, it's possible you'll miss out on having an impact with your life. Uh, we're glad you're here. Welcome to Grove. My name is Eric Montoy. If you don't know me, Pastor the Grove. And if you're a guest, I want to say welcome. Thanks for being with us today on, on a great day, a uh, beautiful day. And uh, we know it's going to be um, just a good service. I want to say welcome all those tuning in online. Thanks for being with us today also. So we start a new series today called Be Rich. All right. I'm excited for this series because uh, every year what, what happens at this time of the year is we prepare for this special uh, weekend uh, that we call Kingdom Builders uh, Offering Weekend. And essentially what it is is we, we plan for one of our weeks in the year that everything that comes in that day through offerings goes 100% out away from us. And so we, we encourage us as a church to say, hey, would you think throughout the year to partner with us? Think about how you can partner with us throughout the year to bless some different organizations around the world and even locally. Um, and it's called Kingdom Builders. And you can go online. You can read more about this and, um, on, our, on our website under Give. There's a Kingdom Builders uh, tab and uh, go learn more about it. But Kingdom Builder essentially says uh, above and beyond what we give to support the local church, because we give 10% away every weekend already, but everything above and beyond that we that comes in, we give out to, to help organizations who are helping with human trafficking, uh, help with um, you know getting clean water people to people for missionaries, uh, planning churches, all these different organizations like that. And then locally, just organizations are doing a good job helping uh, uh, people that have some homelessness, specifically young people, and uh, we, we partner with them. And so these, this, these different projects that we we, we select for the year. We try to raise this, the support for them and to, to bless them. And about half of it actually comes in throughout the year because uh, online people will give to Hena Builders, and they just designate it, and about half comes in. The other half comes in on that one Sunday, and then we're able to bless. And so today at the end of service, I'm going to tell you about a couple of opportunities that, that came our way just recently uh, that we'll be able to do this next month. And part of our, that offering is going to go to help these, uh, these, these opportunities. Um, and so I just want to encourage you for that. So this series is really building up to it, all right? So it's called Be Rich. And I know what you're thinking, like, yeah, that sounds interesting. What's it about? Uh, I bet it's about money, right? And partly about money, not only about money. And But we are going to talk about it. And so um, it's it's interesting how sometimes people say, you know, uh, the church talks a lot about money. Why does the church talk about so much about money? And I would say I don't think the church talks enough about money uh, because it is one of the main things that actually trips up a lot of people in life. Um, and one of the reasons we actually talk about it is because Jesus talked a lot about it, and the Bible talks a lot about it. Uh, there are so many verses. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell. All right, So he, he, he knew, this is why, because Jesus knew that the main competition for our souls was not going to be the enemy, not Satan. I don't know how, you, how many of you guys are having the debate, like, Satanism, you know, Christianity, Satanism. Like, I, I don't know which one I should go with, right? That's not the debate in most people's lives. Um, really, it's not, it's not should I follow Christ with everything I have. It's really should I follow Christ or should I make this life about me and it's going to be my, my stuff. And God knew in the Bible it points to this. That we, what we choose to focus on, what we choose to make most important, because it becomes the thing that we worship. And he knew that it's not going to be competition between God and Satan. Rather, it's going to be competition between God and our stuff. All right? And he knew that because that's the battle that we really live with is what's this life going to be about. And so we're going to go through this series and talk about that. What does that mean um, to, to say, all right, God, help me not to make stuff be the most important thing to me. Because at the end of the day, it's not. All right? I don't know if you know this, but 100% of us will die, and 100% of us will not take anything with us when we're dead. You know that, right? You with me? I have not. I've done a few funerals, and there is never a U-Haul attached to the hearse taking their stuff with that person with them, right? They stay behind for somebody else to use. Whether it's to use, sell, or just throw away, right? I don't know if you ever have, have gone through, maybe a family member or somebody that's passed on, and you have to you know organize all their stuff and sort through all their stuff. And you're like, man, they have so much stuff. What do we do all this? And there's like a part of it goes, I would say a big part goes, goes to the dump, right? And another part goes to be sold, and some you keep because of, of the different reasons. But all of our stuff is going to be passed on to somebody else. And the stuff that we accumulate, that's how we'll be remembered by in many ways, right? Like there'll they'll be, they'll be stories attached to that. And uh, and so the challenge for this series is um, let's be intentional with our lives so that the stories that are told about us and the way people remember us aren't just the stuff that we leave behind, but the way that we impacted people, the legacy. Because here's the truth. You're going to leave a legacy. I'm going to leave a legacy. Um, the good news is you get to choose that legacy now. Um, or it will just be given to you depending on how you lived your life, and people will assign that to you. Or you can be really intentional and say, this is how I want to live, so people would say this about me. And so we're going to talk about uh, finances, talk about uh, resources, talk about our time. And I would say the most valuable thing you can give anybody is your time because uh, you cannot get more of that. You can always find more money. You can figure out ways to uh, to, to make more, but you can't get more time. Once you use that, it is gone, and uh, we, we we don't have more of it. So uh, t- time is the most valuable. So when we're talking about being rich, it's also with that. Um, there's a, a, a passage in, in the scriptures, in Proverbs 23, 7, in the King James Version, it says it like this. He says, for, he thinks, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. And the passage is saying, pay attention to how what you value, pay attention to what you think about, pay attention to what you focus on, because what you think about is what you'll become, right? It's, it's, it's for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. So the way we think, think about things are really important. We just f- finished a series on relationships, right? The Uncommon. And we said this, that if you don't learn to think differently about relationships, um, you will just get what everybody else gets. And until you change that, right? So Paul tells Romans, like, uh, change the way you live by changing the way you think, allowing God to help you think. And even throughout scriptures, Proverbs is a wisdom book, right? And and God is saying, hey, pay attention to what you value. Pay attention to what you're thinking about, what you're setting your heart on, because it will make an impact on your life. If you think right, you'll do right. And if you have wrong thinking, you'll have wrong actions attached to that. I think when it comes to money, this is one of the issues that we have as Americans, right? This is why I say this is because this is what the, the truth about the average American is that the average American spends 33% more money than they make. So for every dollar the average American makes, they will spend a dollar $1.33. Um, I don't know if you're good at math, but after a while, that is really bad math, right? So I make a dollar, but then I spend more? Well, yeah, so then you end up accumulating debt, and you end up having to pay somebody else, um, in fact, almost 10% of um, the average American will – part of their income goes to just paying debt down and, and, and getting away from it. And, and that causes issues in our life because we're never really um, free to be able to be generous with our lives with our finances. We're never really free to be able to live with peace, right? So we get this, this, this tension and this anxiety that comes with it because we're not managing it well. And so part of what we're talk about today is, is if you think right about it, you'll begin to behave correctly. Um, and, and for me, honestly, like you'd be like, so if you're here, let me just let you off the hook. If you're a guest here and you're like, man, he's going to ask us for money. I don't want your money. All right. I want your heart. I want your heart because I know what happens. If you have the heart of somebody, the actions will be correctly. I think too many times when it comes to parenting, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to work life, we try behavior modification, just do this, you know, do that. And, and I guess from the front, if you're thinking about money, it'd be like, just give and you'll be okay. No, no. If, if you're just giving and especially if you're not happy about it, you're missing the point. But if your heart is there, because uh, Jesus says that where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So it's a, how you how you handle finances, how you handle your, your life, how you steward it, really is an indication of where your heart is. And so if you're spending all your money and all the, on yourself and all these things, right, uh, which things aren't necessarily bad, but they can be. If that's all you, you focus on, it shows that your heart is not on others. It's not on God. It's on yourself. And the Bible says be careful because at the end of the day, they'll, they'll never bring fulfillment into your life. For as he thinks in his heart, so... Is he, so is she. Um, so pay attention to what you're focused on, right? And and um, I'm going to read a, a passage in, in the New Testament in, in First Timothy. First Timothy is a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. It's a pastoral letter. So essentially, Timothy was pastoring a church in Ephesus, and Paul was writing to him. And he was encouraging him um, on how to um, pro- to preach, how to teach, how to help people move forward in their relationship with Christ. So this letter is written to t- from Paul to Timothy and help, helping him out to be a pastor so essentially everybody in this room really these words are directed to me on what I should be telling you all right so when I say these words just know it's it's Paul's heart to say Eric if you're going to pastor well here's what you have to help people understand and notice what he says command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth that's, that's a strong word he used in the beginning command. It's not a suggestion. It's like, hey, Timothy, just suggest to the people that they should, uh, they should not put their hope in, in wealth. Let he's saying, Timothy, command them. If they're following Christ, if, if they've made the decision to put uh, God first in their life, man, remind them, command them that they need to make sure that they guard their heart and not misplace the way they, they view wealth and possessions and their time, right? So he says, uh, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant in order to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And notice this. So he's saying, command them to be rich. But notice at the end there, he says for our enjoyment. So so God is not saying, man, live in such a way that you're poor and that you suffer and life is horrible. No, there's enjoyment that should happen in that. When you do it correctly, especially when you do it correctly, you'll have more fulfillment and more joy in your life because you have the right order in in how you organize yourself and organize and give away of your time and your finances, right? And so he's saying, make sure they put their hope in the right place. Make sure their heart is in the right place, not in the wrong place. Command them. And then he goes on to say this. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. So good, do good. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So they will may take hold of the life that is truly life. So notice what he says. There's this tendency in our world, in our life, to make everything about here and now. And he's saying, when that becomes the focus of our life, we actually miss the greater story. And he's saying, when, when, when you command them to do good, to be re- rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share, they actually take hold of the life that really is life. And he's pointing to this other way of living that, that is not the common way of just saying, it's all about me. But rather, live in such a way that your life makes an impact. And in doing so, you'll actually realize that you're living the life that you're always made to live in the first place. And there's something inside of us that comes alive. So, we're reading this about commanding the rich to be rich, right? And maybe some of us in the room will be like, man, I'm not rich. That doesn't apply to me, right? Anybody? No? All right. So... Let me, let me just let you know something about your situation, all right, in, in, in the world, in the grand scheme of things, all right, when it comes to finances. See, because um, here's what we know about, about America and the world, all right, uh, that we are very, 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 very well off, all right? We're very wealthy. Um, and um, if, if you think you're not rich, in the grand scheme of things, you are, and I'm going to show you, show you what happens. But here's, here's what happens in America, all right, when it comes to finances – um, statistically, and research shows this, that the more an American makes, the less they will give. So we always think like, well, I'll give more when I have more. But the truth is that percentage-wise, the more somebody makes, the less they actually give away from themselves. Um, and so the reason Paul is saying to command the rich to, to to do good in deeds and to be rich is because he knows, because the human issue is that we're not very good at being rich. Statistics show us that. We're not very good at it. The more we make, the less we give away. They say, don't let that become the norm. If you're, especially if you're putting, uh, Christ in your life to follow him, to put him first, that you're, you're saying, all right, if my life is supposed to be modeled after Christ, I want to, I want to live in such a way. Um, and so we give less. So, um, a few things about being rich and why we're so bad at being rich is the number one reason is this rich people. They don't like to admit that they're rich, right? Uh, rich people don't. And, and everyone's room is like, yeah, you're right. They don't. Well, that includes us, you and me. all right. What's interesting about this is tall people don't mind saying, I'm tall, right? And basketball players don't mind saying, I'm a basketball player. And all, and all these different kinds of life, we don't mind calling those out. When it comes to being rich, very few people would actually say, yeah, I'm rich. Even the very, very rich would not say, I'm rich. Um, in fact, they did a survey. Gallup did a survey. And they wanted to know, all right, in, in the United States, what does the average person think a rich person would make? Like, what is, the, what is that number? And so um, they did this survey, and they, they, they put a number to it. They said, that, all right, we think – as as um, the average American, would, if, if you would consider them rich, they would make one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. That would be that would be rich. Um, and they asked um, and they asked the people one hundred fifty. Would you consider yourself rich? And they said no. Like you know, how, what would it take to be rich? They said a little more. Like we have to do more. That's not enough. And so Gallup did Gallup did another poll, and they asked people who made thirty to thirty four thousand dollars. They said, what do you think it means to be rich? And they said, well, our number, we think if, if we made $75,000, then we would be rich. And the person making $75,000 like, what? Are you crazy? That's not even enough. You know, It's, it's not enough yet. Um, and then they, they, they did another poll, and they surveyed people who uh, subscribe to Money Magazine, which means if they're sp- subscribing to it, they probably like it a lot. or They're really good with it, right? And asked them, what does it mean to be rich to you? And guess what they said? $5 million dollars. If you had $5 million, you'd be rich. And so most of us would be like, man, that's not just little rich. That's like really rich, right? But for them, they, they said that's what it would take to be rich. So the bottom line is what we discover is this. In life, nobody is rich, but everybody knows somebody who is. Right? We'd all admit that. Like, I know somebody. I'm not, but I know somebody else. Well, let me tell you something about our world, all right? Um, if, if you make 30, $32,400 annually, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. Top 1%. Remember that big movement a while back? Uh, Occupy Wall Street and Occupy, and they're like, we well, you need 1% to give more. Well, if the world did that, and you made $32,400 annually, you're in the 1%. That'd be the world knocking on your door saying, you need to do something about that. So we don't always think, we always think that somebody else, some other number is, that's what it takes to be rich. But the truth is, as the average American, and we know the average American makes more than that, the average American in world standards, is in the 1% of, of wage earners in the world. You're in the 1%, majority of them. And there, so there might be some here that make less, and I understand that. But even that, if you have running water, if you have a toilet, you're still doing, well often, millions and millions of people around the world because even that, they don't make it. If you make more than a couple of dollars a day, you're doing well, way more than what a lot of people in our world are doing. So the point is this. If we're to, to be able to... Um, have the right, I guess, the right thinking, right, and, and focus on our heart, we have to be able to admit something in our lives, that we are rich, that you're rich, you are, and so am I, when it comes to the world standards, we, we have to understand that, and here's the thing, when God blesses people, right, so we would say, if you're the 1%, you're blessed, would you agree? Yeah, so, so another way to say blessed is you're rich, God, is, God has given us the resources, um, he's given us the resources to be able to do something with our lives, and that's a, that's a blessing, that's a gift. And throughout scriptures, whenever God gives somebody resources, the, the intention and the reason is not so we can have more and we can hoard it and keep it for ourselves. In fact, the, one story that Jesus tells, the parable where the man did that, his soul was required of him that very night because his heart was actually focused on the wrong thing. And it's, God says, you're missing the point. You're hoarding and you're keeping more and more for yourself, and there's your brothers and your sisters all around you are in dire need and you're ignoring them. He said, you have to learn to be able to say, all right, if we're going to be better at being rich, first we have to admit it. Like we have been blessed. God has God has blessed us as a nation. He has blessed individuals with the ability even to earn more, which is a blessing. You can go and find ways to do more, if and just keep it within um, within reason and in a healthy way. Um, so He's He's inviting us. Um, and here's the good news when it comes to our lives, into finances, into the way we spend our lives, and how to the, the Bible. The word the Bible uses is steward. How do you steward? your life that God's given you. That's not just finances. That's also your time. That's your relationships. How do you be a good steward, right? So you're a manager of what God has given to you. Well, Second Corinthians 8, 9, Paul tells us how God did it and Jesus did it. He gives us an example. He says, you know, the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's pointing to Christ and saying, all right, guys, Christ is very generous. Though he was rich, he had everything. Yet for your sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. And he says, would you learn to live in such a way that it's not just about you, but you're, you're giving away, you're, you're, you're making a difference with your life. So when God trusts us with something, he expects us to do something with it, to make an impact, to make a difference in this world. And God has given you something. If you're still breathing, he's given you life. He's given you potential. He's given you opportunities to use your life to make a difference. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, 11, he goes on and says this, You'll be made rich in every way, so you can be generous on every occasion. See, so the Bible talks about being rich. It's not just about monetarily Monetary ways, like with with finances, with money, but it's with relationships. It's with our health. It's with our life. So he says he wants to he wants to make you rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. You learn. We have to learn to be rich, right? And so it's an assignment that God gives us. It's a privilege that he he allows us to be able to use our life for others. And the tendency a lot of times is, well, I just don't. If if I made more, then I would give more. If I had more time, then I would give more of my time away. If I had, then then when and if and then I'll I'll do it. But the problem is if and then never comes because we keep pushing it off to a higher number to make before we do something or more time in our lives to do something. And the truth is it's opposite. We'll talk about it a little bit. All right, so one of the reasons rich people are being bad is because we we can't admit it, right? The second thing is rich people are plagued by discontentment. Rich people are plagued with discontentment, which means uh, um, that we're, we don't even enjoy the things a lot of times that we have, that we miss the opportunities, right? The... Uh, The reason is this, the more stuff a person has, the more he or she wants. Discontentment. We're not even content with what we do have, we have to have more of it, right? And so what tends to happen is because we aren't good with money a lot of times, the more we get, the more we spend. And so it doesn't make, the difference doesn't make if you're making $10 or $100, you're still going to keep spending the same percentage if you don't learn how to manage it well, right? So management is a big part of that. And a a big part, Bible points is your heart, because your heart's in the wrong place, it's focused on things that aren't even going to make a difference in the long term. It's for short term gain. It's for what you feel at the moment. It's it's pride. It's pleasure. It's those things. The Bible says, "Be careful of that. Not that not that using your money to buy things to make to, to enjoy it is bad. That's fine. Just do it in the right order." And God says, "Would you do it in the right order, right?" Because um, because what, what what research shows us is the more somebody has, the more they want. And they, they we discover this as we do the stats and we look through it because there's a part in our life that that is. There's something that we're missing and we're looking for it in uh, in all these things that we try to buy or try to uh, use our our, our finances our resources to fill that void, fill that gap, right? Um, Because what happens is when we have a desire or an appetite for something, the more you get of that, the more you want of it. Like that thing never fully satisfies and, and the same thing happens when it comes to wealth and finances. Is The more we have, the more we want of it. If we don't learn to say, hey, that's not the most important thing. That appetite, that desire can't be the driving force of how I handle my, my life. Ecclesiastes five ten through 12 says this. Those who love money will never have enough. Notice, not, not those that have money, but those that love money. The ones that love money, their, their heart is set on it. They'll never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have... The more people come to help you spend it. Isn't that true? Right? Everybody wants to spend your money. He's like, Man, you have a lot, I'm gonna help you spend it. It's meaningless to think it's gonna bring you true happiness. People are gonna keep wanting it. He goes on and says this So what good is wealth? Except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. People who work hard, people who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much. But the rich, they seldom get a good night good night's sleep. And the more you have, the more you have to worry about. Because what happens a lot of times is the more you have, the more you buy. And the more you buy, the more responsibility comes with all the things you buy, right? It costs more. And, and, and so, Ecclesiastes, uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes, is saying, hey, be careful to where you set your heart. Because when your heart becomes just on things, it's going to mislead you. And all of a sudden, you think that your wealth is going to be a wall that protects you. It's going to be something that's going to satisfy your life. But it doesn't satisfy. The desire is, is always there. And disc- discontentment looks like this, all right? You have something that's working fine, but the new model comes out, and this one's no longer good enough because the new one's better and faster and sleeker, right? So, what do we do? Rich people, they upgrade, right? So, you go in line and you have a perfectly look well, uh, a phone that functions well, but you want the new one. In some cases, people stand in lines for hours and hours to get the newest one, right? And while they're in line, they're using their old phone that works fine to text and to call, so you'll never guess where I'm at. I'm in line. To get a new phone, right? don't you have a phone? Yeah, but I'm gonna get the better one, right? Or we'll take a vehicle to the to the um, to the auto park, and we'll say, "Hey, this one's working fine, but I just want a nicer one of this version, right?" And we upgrade it, right? This is part of that discontentment. Sometimes I'm not saying to have nice stuff is bad. You should have nice stuff. You should you should want it, but the Bible says just do it in the right order, and make sure your heart doesn't get stuck and set on on the wrong things. Otherwise, your life will always you'll always be looking and wanting more. And more. And you'll never be content. Um, you know, another way to think of discontentment is, uh, you know, in our homes, most, maybe, maybe don't, but most of us have a closet, right? A closet is what? A room for clothes, right? So in our homes, we don't, we, we have so much clothes that we have actually have a room for our clothes. And how many times do we stand in that, that, that closet and we look into it and you look in all the clothes you have and you stand there like, oh, man, I just don't have anything to wear, Anybody? Yeah. You with me? <laughs> it's like you have all these options and you're saying, I don't have anything to wear. I need to go to the store and buy some more. Why? It's discontentment. It's mismanagement. Whatever reason it is, it's like I it just doesn't I don't like that. Well, that's part of those things are indications sometimes of our heart with the pay attention, the Bible says. So the, 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 um, we need to be reminded that we have stuff and having stuff's not bad. It's bad when the stuff has you. All right, that's when it gets bad. Is when the stuff owns you, when you want more of it, and he's, and and, and uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, be careful, right? Because it's not going to satisfy the way you think. The more you have, is not going to make you satisfied. It's, there's something else to it. Uh, third re- reason rich people aren't always good at being rich. This includes me, all right? Is rich people live with a false sense of security? Um, they believe the mo- the, that the money will bring security to them to their lives. In fact, we use the term financial sec- financially secure, right? Um, we want to be financially secure in life. Well, how do you how can you be financially secure? Uh, Proverbs 8, 18, 11 says it like this: The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. So the wealth of the rich, that's their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. But notice the word it uses: imagine. It's just a mindset. It's not true. It's something that we believe in that possibly won't even work. Um, so the question is this, how much money would you need to secure your future against all imaginable eventualities? How much would you need? And the truth is this, more than you currently have. That would be the answer to all of us would say, well, to really secure myself, I need more than I have because it will take more than I have to really take care of everything I have. So Which means that you'll keep on, that will just be true of whatever the number is and however, however many zeros you add to it, you'll, if, if your heart mindset stays the same way, those numbers will just keep growing, but nothing will change in our lives because we get stuck focused on the wrong thing. As income goes up, so does spending, right? And, and what happens when you have the more you have is our hope actually migrates and, and moves away from our trust in God to our trust in our things, into our wealth, into our, our ability to make that, right? And what happens is it's the wrong thinking, the Bible says. that when we think that way, we're actually setting ourselves up for a lot of disappointment because there's not enough money in the world to bring satisfaction to you. There's not enough money in the world to satisfy your deepest needs and desires. We see this over and over. People try. And at the end of their life, they look back and say, man, I was focused on the wrong thing. Not to have all those things was bad, but they missed it. They traded that for relationships. They traded that for making an impact in their life. So let's talk about the right thinking, all right? Um, so you're, you're thinking, okay, so you're going to talk about money. Here's what you now say you need to give to the church, right? No, that's not the, That's not it at all. In fact, a lot of times in culture, uh, one of the strategies our culture uses with politics, with even some churches, uh, ho- hopefully the, you'll, you'll realize this is not our church, try to guilt us into doing right and doing good, right? Like, you should do this because, right? And they show us these sad pictures on, on, the, on the TV of, you know, all these suffering animals and, and um, stuff like that. And, and, and try to move our heart, try to sometimes guilt us into it, like, you know, you should be doing this. Um, if guilt is your motive, you're, you're getting it wrong. You're getting it wrong. In fact, I would say save it until you can understand that God is saying learn to value what I've given you and see where it comes from and then do it with the right, the right motive. Uh, go to the next slide for me, please. So number one, how, how, do, how can we be good rich people, right? What could we do with our, with our life uh, when it comes to doing right? So if we think right, we'll do right. So what does that look like? What is the right thinking? Um, how can we begin to change our perspective and where we set our heart on, right? Because uh, if you have the right attitude – You'll actually have the right perspective, you'll have the right outlook and the right way to, to see your life and how to manage it. It's a healthy way, right? So number one is this, I will be grateful. Um, if you want to uh, manage what God's given you well, relationships, your time, your finances, you need to learn to be grateful. Gratitude, is, is, is the, the, the part of God is saying this is the attitude you need to have when it comes to life, is that you're grateful for what you do have. Because when you're not, you'll always be looking for more. But Gratitude is that saying, all right, God, I'm, I'm going to be grateful for what you've done in me. There's a story in the Old Testament where uh, David, they come and they want to uh, build uh, the temple. And, and, and he says, well, let's do this together. And um, the people bring finances and they bring uh, some of their resources to help do something amazing as, as, a, as a country. And David goes all in. And he says, all right, I'm going to set the tone. I'm going to lead the way by being generous. And, um, and, and it's pretty cool that they, they gathered so much they didn't, they didn't need more. And David writes this, it, it, it records this song or the psalm that David says to God. In First Chronicles 29, 10-14, it says, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. And he begins to recognize, all right, everything is yours, God. The Bible says that very clearly. Everything, it belongs to God. And he goes on and says, yours, Lord, is the kingdom You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. So he's acknowledging where his power, where his authority, where his opportunities come from. It's not from his wealth. It's from God. He says, now you, now our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. And then he he takes a moment to recognize really who he is. He says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. David was saying, have the right perspective. Know that this life is bigger than you. In fact, it all belongs to God. That's what being a, a, a steward, that the Bible talks about being a good steward, is recognizing we're just managing what is God's. He's given us the opportunity to do what we do. He, he, he gives us the opportunity to have what we have, and we just manage it. It's his, it's not ours. And he's saying, if you'll be good with it, I'll actually give you more so you can do more good. I want to be that. I want to, I want to help you to know this. And he's saying, this is the attitude you need to have. It's an attitude of gratitude. Why? Because gratitude makes us more generous. Gratitude make, will make you more generous. This is why the Bible talks about it so often. Because it knows that when our heart becomes all about us, and it begins to be focused on us, um, it will be in danger of making it all about us. But when you're grateful for what you do have, it will actually cultivate an attitude in you that will actually make you generous with your life. And you'll look for opportunities to say, how can I spend my life to help others do good? How can I help, help spend my life to help make an impact on others? The second thing we need to do have right thinking is this. Um, I will lead with generosity. Like I will lead with generosity. The Bible solution to, to materialism and the, is, is the antidote for wanting more is actually giving away more. The Bible says you learn to lead with generosity, right? Even in Scripture, um, there's a principle that the Bible talks about, tithing. Uh, the tithe is is the, is is the first fruit, right? It's a 10%, but really the principle is, is it's the fact that it's the first thing you do. That's really what the principle is in the Bible about giving. It's, it's not so much the percentage, but it's the, the, the fact that you're doing it. Because when you get to the New Testament, it's not so much concern about percentage, it's actually concerned with your whole life. It's like, at times, you may have to give everything, and at times, just, just go all in and do as much as you can. The principle is this, that if you'll put God first, he'll, he'll help and bless the rest. And when you honor him first, you're making a statement with your life. It's a faith statement, right? Saying, God, I don't know how the rest of the month's going to go, but I know I'm going to put you first in it. I'm going to invite you to be the, the lead and that's what the biblical stewardship is about, saying, God, I'm going to put you first, which we'll talk about more in the next few weeks. Um, and this is why, because in Matthew tw- Matthew 6:21, Jesus says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where you put your treasure, what you're focused on, what you're really concerned about is an indication of what your heart, where your heart is. So your things actually become an indication, if, if that's what it's about, of where your heart is and who it's really about. So the question is, where do you want your heart to be? Right? Do you want it to be on those things? is it is it the nice shiny things that you want them to say that's what he was focused on that's what she was focused on that's all she was concerned with or he was concerned with um, and it, it, by looking at who you put first and what's most important to you is an indication of where your heart is and so God says give first learn to give first acts 20:35 they quote Jesus and he says this um, you'll not you'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering that our master said you're far happier giving than getting there's something about The way we're wired, that when we give, it's actually greater to give than it is to get. So we can say this about generosity. Generosity leads, the heart follows. Generosity leads, the heart follows. Too many times we say, I'll give more when I have more. The Bible says it's actually the opposite. Learn to give and and just trust God, and you'll actually realize you'll have more to give. And you'll find ways to even be creative in how that. And so God, the Bible's saying he wants to change our hearts, right, Um, to be able to think right, and be able to focus on the right things, so we have the right actions. So it's not behavior modification; it's actually where we set our desires in our heart. And the Bible says, "How we handle finances is an indication of what we value the most." Right. So I would say this: um, when it comes to your life, if you can't trust the growth of your finances, maybe you don't have a relationship with us or don't know us. It's not about giving to us. I mean, if you already have a church, like go go all in, like like test God in this. The Bible says, "Test Him, put Him first. And see that he doesn't open the windows and bless you. See that he doesn't do something amazing. But find a place where you can invest in, a church that you believe in the mission, you believe in the vision, and you want to see them make an impact. And you say, God, I'm going to put you first in that area. In fact, it all says bring, bring the tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough bread to give, right? There will be, there'll be plenty of resources to be able to make a difference in this place. It says learn to learn trust God. Honor God with the first is the principle, and he'll bless what you've given. He'll bless the rest. He'll, he'll bless you with it. Third way of being rich, uh, how to be rich, good, right? To have the right thinking, um, is, is this? I will put my hope in God. Right. So it's about gratitude. It's about leading with generosity, and the third thing is, is putting our hope in God. When, when we learn to be good, rich people, we're actually saying, God, it comes from you. You know, my hope is not in wealth. My hope is not in my paycheck. God, my hope is in you. My hope is in you. Proverbs thirty eight through nine. Notice what the psalmist, uh, what, what, what the writer, proverb says. Keep falsehood and lies far. From me. Notice how He starts with falsehood and lies because that's the tendency that we begin to believe a lot of times in life is it is about me. We begin to believe falsehood and lies. But he says, give, he, as a prayer to God, give me neither poverty nor riches, right? But give me only my daily bread. Essentially, God, give me what I can manage. Give me what I can handle. Otherwise, if, if I'm rich or poor, he says, I may have too much and disown you. And that's the tendency a lot of times when we have a lot is we tend to focus on the, on the wealth and we think that's, that's our hope. That's our salvation. He says, in that case, I might disown you, and I'll say, who is the Lord? This is all done by my own hands, right? Or he says, or if I become poor, then I may still, so I dishonor the name of my God. And the opposite is true. If we don't have any resources, and then we begin to do wrong because we're trying to survive. And he's saying, rather, God, help me to know what I can manage. Help me to be a good steward of it, because I know that when I'm a good steward of it, you'll actually provide more. And he's saying, this is how you start, right? Not with wrong thinking, but with right thinking. Um, How can I do this? Because God knows the chief competitor for her heart is not always something that's horrible and bad. It's, it's sometimes even good things. Sometimes good things, shiny things. That we, we say, man, I'm, I'm so set on that. I need that. If I just had that, then my life would be better. If I just could buy those things, I would be more content. I would have more, right? And we put our hope in the wrong things. And God say, no, no, trust me. Trust me on this life. So, so here's, here's what I would say when it comes about uh, putting our trust in God. Is I will trust. I will not trust in riches. But I'll trust in him who richly provides. I'm not going to trust in riches. I'm going to trust in the one who actually richly provides. Because I know that he'll give it when I need it. And if I'm a good steward with it, he'll actually give me more so I could do more good with it. In my life, I believe God's going to continue to bless me. God's going to continue to bless our church. Because the principle that we live out is this. God, you're first. God, you're first. God, you're first. We want to put you first in all things. And we're going to look for opportunities to go above and beyond that. Say, God, help us to use our life to make a difference. And for you, I would say that. That needs to be a statement that you begin to make. God, I'm not going to trust in riches. I'm not going to trust in wealth and finances. But I'm going to trust in you who richly provide. So I would say this. Would you, Our challenge would be this. Would you put your hope in God? Put your hope in God. This week, would you put your hope in God? And the way you model that is by saying, okay, I'm going to pay attention to what I put first. God, I'm going to put you first. God, I'm going to pay attention to how I handle things, to what I make most important, what I value. Why? Right? Because the question is, what has your heart? What has your heart? And if it's not God, and you haven't said, God, I'm all in, then that's the starting place. In fact, today as we in our service, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today, and, and, and you would even know this, like in your life, when you look at it and how you're managing it, you'd say, man, there's some things out of order. I'm not really doing well, and um, it's not working all the way it should be. Well, that's a lot of times an indication of, of not ordering our life correctly. And being a, a Jesus follower, means that we're saying, God, we, you put you first. We want you to lead us, right? And, and salvation is not joining a church. It's not coming on Sundays. Salvation is actually saying, God, I need you to be in charge of my life. God, I need you to be the one that leads me. And the Bible says that if we confess, right, our sins, we confess that he is Lord. It's a, it's a, it's a confession and a belief of a heart that says, you're first, God. I put you first in my life. And then he begins to lead the way. That's what it means to follow him. We're saying, God, I give you control of my life. I'm going to trust you. And then it's a journey where he leads us. And so today, um, in fact, if you're here, I want to give an opportunity for those that are in this room and an opportunity to say, that's me. And I need to I need to put God first. I need to get the right order the order right so that things will work right in my life. So would you do me a favor? Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service? And if that's you and you're here today, you'd say, man, I, I, I'm not managing well. I'm doing my own thing, and today I want... To ask God to lead the way, I want to ask God to to be first in my life. I want to be able to live that way. If that's you, I'm not going to call you to the front, but just right there in your seat, lead you in a prayer. But if that's you today, would you let me know you're here by lifting your hand, saying that's me today? God, I need I need you. Awesome, awesome. I see a few hands. Anybody else? God, I put you first. Great. For you, raise your hand. Would you pray this prayer with me? And if you're a Jesus follower, would you pray with us so they're not praying alone? I say this today. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross so I could have a new start. Thank you for giving your life in modeling for me how to live. Today, I put my trust in you. I confess that you are Lord of my life. I want you to be in charge. Would you lead me? I put my hope and my trust in you. Forgive me of my past of my sin, of my choices that have led me away from you. Today, I walk towards you. Lead me. you just know I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate those that pray that prayer. So good. This is what it means to follow Christ. We put him first in all areas of our life. And I, I guarantee you this. It is the greatest journey that you can ever have on, on this earth when you let him lead because it leads lead you places really that... Your heart will open up and, and you'll you'll experience some amazing things. I promise it's pretty awesome. Not easy all the time, but it is awesome. And so if you don't have a church and you pray that prayer today, we'd love for you to be part of the Grove. If you already have one, man, be faithful. Go all in. Ask God to lead you and to use your life in a, in a great way. All right.